Good morning, church. Thank you, Pastor Ryan. Uh, I give God all the glory for all you said in the introduction. I am who I am just by His grace. I'm nothing, really zero without Him. So I give Him all the glory. I also count it a sacred responsibility when you are invited to speak God's word. That's huge. Um, And for those who do it, and who do it as led by the Lord, they know you're better off not speaking your own words. So it's good to receive from him and speak his word. Uh, I had a struggle this week on that uh, because I really was passionate in sharing something as with you that I started preparing since I got the invitation to speak. And, and then on Thursday, I would say God succeeded because it's been prompting me, succeeded in making me put it aside and bring to you what, what is leading me to bring to you today. Um, because it's, it should be about him, not about any one of us. Number two, I want to thank you as well for being here, because if you're not here, there's no church. Thank you for being here, and many of you, you're here week after week to receive the word of God. Thank you for being here. And I'm humbled to even to stand before you to speak the word of God to you. Number three, I really want to thank Pastor Gary and Pastor Terry for inviting me to speak. Because um, I count the pulpit as a sacred place. As a lead pastor, you don't just allow anybody on the pulpit. It's so sacred, you know. So I thank Pastor Terry and Pastor Gary for inviting me to speak. Today we're going to, I'm going to invite you on a journey. Some of you might have gone through this kind of journey before. Um, We're going to, first of all, look at some videos. Uh, They're about four in one videos, but then they're in two parts. And then after the videos... Uh, you're going to engage whatever you have seen in the videos using two questions, a framework of two questions. Once we're done with that, I'm going to share a story with you and some highlights of some other stories, and then um, we dive into the Word. But let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for, we believe you're already here. Thank you for... helping and leading the worship team to lead us into your presence. Lord, so we welcome you here. And we declare you are God, you are good, like Pastor Dan has repeatedly emphasized. And like the worship team led us in worship, that you are a good God. So Lord God, we acknowledge you are here and you are God over this time in the name of Jesus. So, Lord God, speak to us, and we will give you all the glory. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Let the church say amen. Amen. Christians are old-fashioned. Hypocritical. Anti-gay. Live in a bubble. Too involved in politics. Uh, They believe that they're fake. Phony. Um, Talk out of both sides of their face. Um, Have a list of rules and regulations that they have to follow all the time, and they're definitely not fun. Christians always have ulterior motives. So a lot of my friends, when they think about Christians, they think about people who have no clue, really. Uh, They live in a world that's not real. They're just kind of their own little existence, doing their own little thing. Um, And they are hypocritical. You know, some of them, again, we say certain things, we don't follow it up. People assume that you're coming from this closed-minded worldview. My non-Christian friends think that I'm always judging them, that I think that I'm better than them. They assume that Christians don't like gay people. I feel like we're just in a place right now where we have to surprise people and challenge their assumptions about what Christianity is because the assumptions that people have about Christianity are so firm at this point that they can actually parody us with pretty good accuracy. My savior? Good guy. Um, Love, compassion, um, diversity. Easter, loving, bearded, kind. Got a good opinion of Jesus Christ, that's for sure. Excellent man, wonderful. Sure, they had a religion after him. My savior. Actually, Jesus was the first punk rocker. Yeah? Yeah. He's he's pretty cool, and I like him a lot. Savior. Black. (laughs) It's good. Yeah, I think it's good. Because it's Jesus. What else would you think of? I'm definitely um, altruistic philanthropy. Loving, peaceful, sincere. Out of touch? Uh, Hopeful. Yeah. On their part. They're hoping for something they're not going to uh, get, I believe. Um, Psycho. Uneducated. Backward. The South. I think of somebody that's possibly just a little bit, um, a little bit overboard, a little bit extreme. My Uncle Bob. Um, conservative, white. Fanatical. Bible numbers. Crazy. (laughs) People who wear white and, like, kind of glow, but are kind of freaky. Okay. Yeah. And, um, Texas? I think, I think there's a lot of stick stigmas attached to that word. I can't answer that. <laughs> Crazy. Okay. Frightening. Yeah. Yeah. I just overpowering. Overpowering. Yeah. You don't want to know. Somewhat scary. Um, maybe a little rigid in their full in their dogma and their philosophy. Oh, um, nothing too good. What's your thoughts on Jesus? I'm not a religious person. I just don't really believe in like the whole fact of religion. I I don't. I just don't believe in Christianity or anything like that. The person of Jesus. Yeah. Um. I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. So obviously, I believe what Jesus did as a positive thing, and um, I think that obviously Jesus died for our sins. 
and I see that as obviously I need to like I have to put it in words. Um, obviously, like my life here on Earth, it should be given back to Him and it, like praise and worship to Him, so that I can be given eternal life afterwards. So I'm not of the world, but I'm aware of it. Sure. If that makes sense. Um, can I ask you a couple of quick questions? Yeah, sure. Brilliant. Um, what are your th uh, thoughts on Jesus? Um, I've never really thought about God. Like, he was never pushed on me as like a child and Jesus and things like that. Um, but I definitely believe it's like a higher body. Like, if the world is so amazing, then there's definitely got to be something else. And um, so I do believe that you know something like Jesus or God could exist, but we just won't know until we get there. Man. Um, so, Kane, what do you think about Jesus? Um, like, sometimes I'm a bit baffled, sometimes I'm not. But I do think that there's something up there, Jesus, or there's something there. But I'm like, no, I'm on the equator. Um, do you know the difference between a religion and the person of Jesus? No, would you like to enlighten me? <laughs> yeah! This is the first book that I've ever worked on, and... Um, I could say that I can't imagine a harder book to write because it's been three years of studying some uncomfortable realities about what it means to be the church and about what Christians look like to outsiders. And the core of this message, the core of what we found in this research, is that while Jesus loves flawed people, today's church, Christians, I do not. And, and so how do we start to understand a world that's moving away from the things that we respect and adore as Christians that's becoming more and more skeptical about us, that's becoming more and more angry about the ways that we express our rights as Christians, and how do we start to work to reconcile them to God? I mean, how do, how do we start to say, I understand the things that you're frustrated about, I can see why you're frustrated about a shallow, superficial expression of Christianity here in the country, for, let's put all that aside and talk about what is Jesus. He's a compelling figure. Let's talk about his words. Let's talk about what he's done in my life. And, and so as we begin to understand a generation's skepticism about us, we begin to understand really what Jesus is all about. And I have this interesting phrase that I use in the book that to recover our heart for Jesus, we have to recover our heart for outsiders. Jesus was constantly pursuing people to reconcile them to God. And as we studied the American church through this objective research, we just consistently found lapses in that. Our inability to pursue outsiders, our, our, our desire to build a fort, to, 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 to keep everything on the outside that threatens or scares us. And so we were so, built, so busy defending the fort, we've forgotten why we built the fort in the first place. Mm -hmm. So the, the central message of this book is how do we understand, accept, love, and bring the transformational power of Jesus to a, a generation that's very skeptical, that's very uh, done with Christianity as, we, as we've expressed it in this culture for the last 20, 30, 50 years. Well, listen, it's really complex. I mean, you can't say here's one single thing that we could all do as Christians and then the problem is solved. Uh, you know, really what we found is that people have to have enough experiences positive experiences with what Christians are doing that's different, that's distinct. And, and what they say about us, outsiders, they say, we don't see any gaps, any differences in your lifestyle at all. And so we have to go back and look at our daily uh, choices, the way we convey this powerful message in our life. And, uh, you know, there's so many different things that we could talk about. But for instance, uh, we found that many Christians use 
cliches in describing their beliefs. Love the sin, love the sin or hate the sin. Uh, you, you know, G Christians aren't aren't perfect. They're just forgiven. And when we use these cliches with outsiders, what was so remarkable to me is I kept hearing outsiders describe back to me the cliches. They said, I know you say this. It doesn't work for me. And the truth is we've compressed the deep, powerful message of the gospel into these simple jargon-type statements, and they don't do the, the gospel justice. So we've got to go back and think through how do we creatively express this powerful message. And this is just one example of, of one type of solution as we think about our engagement with people who are skeptical and who, who are having a hard time understanding why would we, uh, why would be, why would we be uh, aligned to something that seems so simplistic and so, um, you know, not deep as if as if we were, you know, we're, we're um, we've got to find a way to, to get back to the power and depth of the gospel as it, it's really conveyed through Scripture. Okay, so I want you to reach out to one or two people beside you and engage one another with these two questions. And you have only two, maximum three minutes. The first question, what did you learn from the videos? And the second question, what can you do? What can you and I do in the light of what we are seeing in these videos? Things should not continue this way. Let's say a louder amen to that. Amen. Say a louder amen to that. Amen. I don't know whether you saw it yesterday. I read it yesterday, that the percentage of the non-religious in this nation, for the first time in the history of this nation, exceeded the percentage of Roman Catholics and Evangelicals. Things must not continue this way. So join hands with one or two people around you, whether on the same seat or the same row, or behind you, and discuss these two questions in two minutes, you know. What did you learn from the videos? What, number two, what can you do? Then I'm going to invite one or two of you to share with the congregation. What did you learn from the videos? And then, what can you do in the light of what you have learned from the videos? So discuss with one another, and, and then um, you have two minutes. What did you learn from the videos? Find somebody, don't sit alone. What did you learn from the videos? Find somebody. Thank you. Thank you. what we have learned from the videos. What can we do? What can we do? One minute to go.
30 seconds to go. Okay, time is up. So let's have two or three people who volunteer share with the congregation what one you learned from the videos. Let's start with that. Those who want to, what did you learn from the videos, from your discussions in your group? What did you learn? Somebody who wants to volunteer to speak. What did you learn from the videos? Somebody, just raise your hand and the microphone will be brought. What did you learn from the videos? Somebody, what did you learn from the videos? Just read it. There's somebody at the back there. One second. Pastor Ryan is bringing. And then somebody, okay, I'm sorry. Somebody in the front as well. Thank um, you. That people feel Christians are very fake. Thank you. All right. Somebody in the front as well. And then I'm waiting for somebody to tell us what we can do about this. Go ahead. In our discussion here in our group, we agree that um, the non-Christians, that us Christians do not uh, show or give something for, to the non-Christians for them to want to become Christians because we are not different, very different than the non-Christians. Mm, mm. Thank you. That's, that's really powerful. Thank you. All right. Because of time, can you answer the question, what can we do about this in the light of what we have seen on, on the video? From your discussions in your group, somebody, somebody at the back. What can we, somebody's raising their hand at the back. Thank you, Pastor Ryan. What can we do about this? What can you do about in the light of what we have learned from the videos? What can we do? Uh, what we can do is uh, uh, to actually understand what we believe in. Uh, looking at the video, uh, it, uh, it presented a challenge. You know, how do I present my, my faith to an unbeliever? Uh, it's difficult enough to talk to other Christians about, about faith and try to convey our faith. But to someone who just totally has a wall... It's, it's difficult, so we should practice uh, how to convey um, basically our testimony. How did, we, how did we arrive to faith? You know, I think that's, you know, some place where we can start. Thank you. Anybody else? Even in the back corner, anybody else? Okay, somebody is there. Thank you, ma'am. Anybody in the back corner? I don't want to appear like ignoring you. Is anybody raising hand in the back corner? After this. We need to show our light. We need to? Show our light. Let's say amen to that. Let's say a louder amen to that. And walk the walk. We need to show our light. Thank you. Can you say that on the microphone? What did you say? Walk the walk. Walk the walk. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, because of time. Thank you, Pastor Ryan. Because of time, I want to share with you what the Lord has given me to share with you today. But I want to let you know 
these same things I'm sharing with you today, the Lord gave it to me to share with a group of people. There were 51 in number. 29 of them in the last four weeks. That means 21 of them a couple of months before. Some of the things I'm going to share are, are things that some of you would feel probably scared about. These 51 people, they were scared, they were reluctant, they were resistant. They felt unable. They felt incapable of doing this. But then, they decided, God helped them to do it. And I'm going to share with you some of their stories. I'm going to share only one story, but I'm going to share highlight from the stories of some of them. There are people like you and I. One of them actually decided to go to Target. Um, probably, uh, so that I don't jump ahead of the story, the question you may ask me, Remy, then what's, what's the solution you, you are proposing? Or what's the solution that God is proposing for us? When we get to the next slide, well, this is what I believe in. Paul declaring that I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Because it is the power of God that brings salvation. Let us get back to the gospel. Let's get back to the gospel. It is still God's power that brings salvation to everyone who believes. So this was what I told these people, these 51 people, and they decided to run with it. One of them went to Target. It doesn't work for Target, it works for another company. He said, I decided to go to Target. What did he do? He went to the video shelf, and that was where he found somebody. Another person here who works for Macy's, she said she works in the men's suits. This one is a guy. She's a lady. Works in the men's suits department of Macy's. That was where she found somebody to share the gospel with. Another person here said, I said to go shopping and share my testimony with someone. Where? The 99 cent store. Another person among the 51 he said, after the appointment for my taxes, I think tomorrow is the due date for taxes. So after he completed his tax returns, he said he decided to go and have air court. He went to the barber shop. He drove down to the barber shop. That was where he shared the gospel. But this story I'm going to read for you because of time. I couldn't read the other stories. It's about another lady. Let me read it. So I was running late for work when I realized I hadn't put gas in my vehicle. I usually like to put gas in my vehicle from a particular brand and gas station near my house. Because I was late, I decided to just head to, to work. Little did I know God was stirring up a plan. When work ended, I did not want to risk running out of gas on the way home. So I stopped at a random, no name, cheap gas station. Before I turn to the gas station, the vehicle before me suddenly brakes 
and turns into the same gas station. If I'm being completely honest, I found myself a little annoyed that the van before me stopped and turned so suddenly. As I stand there pumping gas in my vehicle, I feel a nudge from the Holy Spirit. I hear the Holy Spirit quite loudly telling me, go and offer to pay for the gas of the vehicle in the stall before you. I hesitated at first, thinking, what if this person gets offended? What if they already paid for their gas? A million doubts ran through my mind, but ultimately I knew God was asking me to pay for their gas. I found this moment to be the most difficult moment of it all, the moment of risk that you might be wrong. I mustered all the courage and obedience I had and approached the vehicle. I said, hi, my name is blah, blah, blah. And I know this is strange, but will it be okay if I paid for your gas today? As I looked in the vehicle, the woman sitting in the driver's seat alone had an envelope with change in her hand. She looked up to me with tears in her eyes and said, I don't know why I turned into the gas station. I don't have any money to put gas with. I honestly didn't know I was going to make it home. I was completely stunned. That was the, the lady she met at the gas station. Now, the rider, who was among the 51, working with me, I was completely stunned at what God was doing. I saw the, I saw the very clear opportunity to present the love of the Father to this woman. I said, there's a God who sees you and desires nothing more than to love and provide for you. God told me to pay for your gas. I never come to this gas station. In fact, I don't even live in this area. This is a divine appointment from God. She began to sob. I originally had just planned to give the woman the money. But in that moment, I had the Holy Spirit say, don't just give her money, serve her. So I pumped our gas for her. We exchanged information, and she went on her way, and I went on my way. The next day, I reached out to her and asked her if she would like to grab lunch. We set a day to get lunch. She sat and talked, and she told me about her life and where she was currently. I shared my story and testimony as related to hers. She had many relational issues that I was able to speak into. My story involved a lot of relational healing with the Father, God. And I was able to share with, that with her. At the end of the meal, I asked her if she would like to make Jesus her Lord and Savior. With tears in her eyes, she nodded yes. We prayed, and she had Christ into her heart. I was astonished at how simple and how receptive this moment of salvation was. I think it was a very successful moment of salvation. She received Christ with no questions. Let's say amen to that. And that's why I'm coming to you today with what the Lord has given me to share with you. That the church can do, that you and I can do to stop the decline of the population following Jesus, to also arrest the situation whereby people are against Christianity, against the church, 
and some of them against Jesus. And that's what we are going to engage in today. With that theme, becoming agents of transformation. That woman has been transformed forever. You and I are supposed to be agents of transformation through evangelism. But I will engage this, this theme using six questions. Number one, why evangelism? Number two, what is evangelism? Number three, how do we evangelize? Or who should evangelize? When should we evangelize? Where should we evangelize? And then I will wrap it up with, with what? With who do we evangelize? But let's start with, first of all, that question. Why evangelism? The reason God himself mandates it in several scriptures. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and verse 20, the Bible says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end. Then in Mark's gospel, it tells us, it said to them, go into all the world. I have a friend who always tells me, Remy, what is in the word go that the church does not understand, that Christians don't understand? Go means go. Go means go. So whether it's Monday, whether it's Tuesday, go. Whether it's, Wednesday, whether it's Target, whether it's 99 cent store, whether it's a gas station, God says, go. That lady obeyed that word. She went to meet the woman in the gas station. Go. And he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But that's not the end. It tells us again in the, in the gospel, another scripture, in the gospel of John. The next slide. In God, it says, and again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. So that's the why. Because God sent us. That's why we do evangelism. Because God has mandated you. God has mandated me. But that's, that's not the end. If we now know, we are convinced, and we want to be obedient children of our Father God, we want to obey him in evangelism. You want to do it right. And that's why the question, what is evangelism? I will explain it in, a, in some simple ways for you. One, evangelism is communicating the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit. Not in your own power. Communicating the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit. To who? Unconverted persons at their point of need. Just as in the gas station. At their point of need, just as in the barber shop, just as in Target, just as in 99 cent store, just as even, even in, the, in, in the hospital, when you go there, when I visit people in the hospital, I reach out to some other people that are even unknown in the hospital. And some, have received the love of God in the process. So it should be at their point of need. Hear this, with the intent of converting, of conversion. You're not just interested in impressing them. 
or to tell them how good you are. The goal is conversion. Bringing them into repentance of their sins. And then what? Putting their trust in God through Jesus Christ. Accepting him as their Lord and Savior. Just as the story of the woman I read for you. That is evangelism. What else is evangelism? It seeks to bring people to the visible community of believers. When I do evangelism in Rancho, when I do evangelism in San Dimas, I refer people that I talk to to the nearest church where they live. But when I do evangelism in this neighborhood, if you say you are from around Temple City, you are from Acadia, you are from some cities around here, I tell you, my local church is, a, is Valley Community Church in, in El Moni. Because it's not just enough to talk to them about Jesus. It's good for you to connect them to the visible community of believers. That's evangelism. Evangelism also, hear this, involves witnessing, both in word and in deed. That lady did not just give Jesus to the woman. She gave the woman help in her area of need as well. Just like somebody at the back said, some Christians are fake. And like, I love the way you put it as well. We need, and as you see it on the screen, we need not just to preach the gospel, we need to embody the gospel. Embody the gospel. Not just preach it, but we must embody it. That's what, that's, in fact, that's what is expected of every believer. I was telling the story in the first service. When I just graduated from college, I was attending um, a church. I loved the pastor so much, and he, brought, he preached a message one day that I can never forget in my life. He said, the title of the message was The Fifth Gospel. You know, as somebody who has been, who has gone through Sunday school classes in the first square church, I was concerned. I hope this man is not bringing heresy. I know there are only four gospels in the Bible. And he's titling his message, the fifth gospel. Then he unpacked it. He said, you are the fifth gospel. You are the fifth gospel. People are reading your life. What they are reading about your life is the gospel. The question is, is it another gospel? Or is it the same gospel? Remember, Paul warned people, don't believe another gospel. The fifth gospel means people who don't even have any Bible to read, or they have it, they don't read it. They are reading your life every day. What gospel are you writing with your life for people to read? So don't just preach the gospel. Embody the gospel. Evangelism is possible. Hear this. this when the community of believers who are evangelizing, when they are a radiant manifestation of Jesus Christ, that is, that's with a winsome attitude, you can't be preaching joy and your life contradicts that. You can't be preaching faithfulness in marriage and you are flirting in the office. Whether you are a married man or a married woman, your, your, your life should both embody the gospel and should be a radiant and winsome expression of that gospel. That's what the gospel is. I love the way, in the previous slide, I love the way that guy, Marshall, 
It says the, 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 mes the message. It says the medium is a message. The medium is a message. The, so again, the next slide. Talking about what, the, what is evangelism. is process of communication. And sharing the good news that God reigns. But then after you have answered that question, let's go to the next question. You've answered the question why, you're looking at the what. Now, who should do evangelism? Who? Let's answer the question. It's you. 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 And that you means including me. God has no plan B. He, he doesn't use angels to preach the gospel. He uses you and I. And those scriptures, Matthew 5, 13, tells us you are the salt of the earth. Let your life sweeten other lives. Let your life preserve, not poison, not pollute other lives. Salt preserves. Salt helps in, in, in producing good taste. Let your life produce good taste to people. Be the salt, but not just the salt. It says you are the light. And the Bible tells us in John's Gospel chapter 1 that is, darkness cannot comprehend that light. Darkness cannot. You are, you are the light. Not only about, now that you have answered the questions, why evangelism? What is evangelism and who to do evangelism? Let's look at how do we evangelize? How? Because that should be your next question. Remy, I mean, then how do I evangelize? The answers are the following. As salt and as light. But I want to simplify it for you. Giving you three things to do. One, by caring or by being compassionate. That woman, that lady on our team who went to the gas station, she, she was caring. She was not just interested in dumping the gospel on the woman at the gas station. But she was also daring. You, if you remember her story, she was daring. She said she had never done this before just because she had what I'm telling you today as well. She took the challenge. She, these folks were all afraid. They were scared. Remia, can we do this? I've never done this before. She was daring. But then she, not only was she caring and daring, she was also, she, she also sharing. What did she share? She started by sharing her testimony. She said she could relate to the, to the woman's relational issues. She shared a testimony. Share your story. Those are three ways you can evangelize. But not only should you be interested in how or the who, the what, and the why evangelism, the next question you should be able to answer is when? When? When should we evangelize? The Bible gives us the reason. It says, one, in season and out of season. When it is convenient, that's the meaning of season. When it is convenient and when it's not convenient. And that's in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. I love the way he puts it in Ecclesiastes chapter 1. It says in Ecclesiastes, in the next slide, it says, sow your seed in the morning and at evening let your hands not be idle. Because you don't know which will succeed. Let's sow the seed. Whether it's in the morning, whether it's in the afternoon, whether it's in the evening. 
you could say it was the wrong time for the lady in the gas station. It was in the night. But she sowed the seed. And the rest is history. So when should we evangelize? In season and out of season. In the morning, in the afternoon. After you have answered those questions of even the when, the next question, where do you evangelize? Where? I told you some stories. Some of them were in stores. Some of them were in their offices. There was one I didn't tell you. She's a lady. She just joined this team just about four weeks ago. And by the way, they are from different churches. The one in Macy's is from the Catholic Church. They're from different churches. Some of them from the, from the Foursquare Church, but many of them from other churches. So one of them actually went to Huntington Beach. She enjoyed life, but she's not somebody who is used to just going to Huntington Beach. But she prayed about it, and God said, go to Huntington Beach. And that was where she found a man sitting alone. And she didn't know how to go about the engagement or the encounter. She was scared. Then she sat down on an across, away from the man. And then she summoned the courage to walk by the man. And the man asked the question, what are you doing here? She said she admires the serenity of the, of, the, of the beach. She just wanted to be quiet before the Lord. Then she told her story. She wanted to be quiet before the Lord to hear. And the rest is history. If you see this lady, you know that she was scared. She prayed for the man, and the man gave his life to Jesus. Where? Various places. Read evangelism mandate. Not only about the way, I'm going to conclude with this because of time. I'm going to conclude with number six. Number six talks about with who? Because there's one thing to talk about the why, to know the reasons why we need to do evangelism, the what is evangelism, the who to do evangelism, the how to do evangelism, the when to do evangelism, the where to do evangelism. I want to conclude with this because this is so important. With who and what you evangelize. The Bible says there, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you be my witnesses in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit. You can't do this alone. That lady in Northern Beach couldn't have done it. She didn't have the courage. The guy went to Target. He doesn't work in Target. He didn't even know. He just, he just, he just wanted to introduce Jesus to somebody. And he went to the video shelf. And that was where somebody met him. And God said, that's the person you should talk to. The guy who finished completing his tax returns went to the barber shop. And all of them, in all their reports to me, referenced the Holy Spirit. Don't attempt to do this alone. Do it in partnership with the Holy Spirit. Let's rise on our feet. The last slide tells us the conclusion, where we started. I am not ashamed. Church, all that we saw in that video, 
I believe this is the antidote. Let us not be ashamed of the gospel. It is still the power. It is still the power. Whatever is going on in your home, whatever is going on in your relationship, whatever is going on at work, I promise you, from my own little experience of working with Jesus, the gospel is still the power. The gospel is still the power of God to salvation. I have found it work in business. I found it work in my relationship at home. I found it work in the neighborhood. The gospel. Preach it. Live it. Spread it. Share it. And you see the results in the name of Jesus. Let's, let's, let's bow our heads in prayer. Let's bow. God told me to pray for two groups of people today. And he told me that around 7.15 last night. If you are here and you are saying, Remy, you know, I've been doing this. I'm born again. I'm a Christian. But I want to do it more. I've done it before. I want to do it more. I want to evangelize more. I want to talk to more people about Jesus. Spread this gospel. Wherever, wherever you are, raise up your right hand and I'll pray with you. You know you are a Christian. You're born again. And you're saying, Remy... I've done this before. I want to do it more. I want to share the gospel more. Raise up your, raise up your right hand or your hand wherever you are and I'll pray for you. I see those hands. Father, we thank you. Lord, you know you told me to do this. That's what I'm trying to do. That I should recognize those who said they want to be prayed for regarding evangelism. Father, I pray you would. You see their hands that are up? Pray you help them to be faithful to the commitment they are making today in the name of Jesus. And I pray, Lord God. Can we just pause for a second? One second. One, just one second. God said I should leave a word with you. John 15 verse 16. It says, you have not chosen me, I have chosen you. To go forth and bear fruit, and your fruit shall remain. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, I will give it to you. Lord, I pray you do this and fulfill this word in the lives of those who are committing to evangelism. In Jesus' name. And let the church say Amen. Stand where you are, please, if it's okay with you. Let's still close our eyes if you are here. The second group of people God said I should pray for. Second group of people God said I should pray for. If you are here, and you say, Remy, I have been coming here for a while. I need Jesus myself before I can give Jesus away. Before I can give Jesus to other people. You're saying, Remy, pray for me. I'll be glad to pray for you. Raise your right hand wherever you are. You say, Remy, I need Jesus myself. I, want, I see the hand at the back. I see the other hand at the back as well. I see the hand in the front. I need Jesus myself. Thank you. In the balcony, I need, Remy, just pray for me. I need Jesus in order to give Jesus away to people. I see the hand. I see the hand. Father, we thank you. These hands are not pointed to me. They are pointed up to you. Your word says, whoever comes to you, you will not cast away. I pray you receive this in the name of Jesus. 
that break the power of sin over your lives in the name of Jesus. I pray that the newness that comes from receiving Jesus, you will experience in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And let the church say, Amen. Can we give him a hand?